Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome to today's episode of the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host Conor O'Neill, joined by the Echo's Everton correspondent Joe Thomas as we look ahead to Saturday's Premier League clash away to Manchester City. But Joe, before we get into talking all things Manchester City and the return to Premier League action for the Blues, I think we'll start with Kevin Fellwell's open letter perhaps or update that has been published on Friday morning by the club. It was a, 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 a I think it's safe to say, good piece of communication from one of Everton's senior members of the hierarchy, an update on where things currently lie on the football side of things. Obviously, a review of the January transfer window, even though very little happened. But what were your main takeaways from what Kevin Fellwell has, has told supporters this morning? Yeah, I think I think it's the latest example of some positive communication. I think we all, you know, we look back at like this time last year in the January and how um, many mixed messages there were and how that kind of all combined into the general sense of chaos around the place. The fact that no one quite knew what was going to happen in January. Well, the fact that Fire Machine was there promising strikers in a window whatever knew they needed to strengthen. And then instead with the sale of Anthony Gordon, they only got weaker. Uh, so I feel like the club has kind of learned a little bit from that. I thought that, you know, Kevin Fowler got out ahead of the story almost when ahead of the Manchester City game, you know, 27th of, of December for, for that night's programme notes he... He spoke about just how it's likely to be a quiet window. Um, and I think that just kind of, it just took a lot of the sting out the following weeks when nothing was really happening. There was, I think fans had already come to terms. But I think we could all accept that in an ideal world, Everton would have strengthened in January. This is a Fredbear squad. Um, and it's, as we saw in January and, and over Christmas as well, it's it's susceptible to, it only takes a handful of injuries to keep players and it becomes a very difficult place. But um we also have seen, and again, particularly in the build-up to Christmas, that this is a squad that, however much we might worry about its limitations, it's a squad that Dyke just turned into a mid-table side. Mm. You know, forget about the points deduction for a second and just focus about on-the-pitch matters. You know, this is a club that have, have accumulated 29 points. They should be sitting 12. They should be nine points clear of the bottom three. Really, if you're on 29 points at this stage of the season, you're probably looking at this and saying three more wins. And Everton are safe, you know, pick up a few more draws on the way. So beat Burnley at home in the league, beat Sheffield United at home in the league, find one other win, and they're there. Yeah. And all of a sudden, Evan have got, you know, and Farewell has probably got what he's dreamt of for the two years or near two years he's been in his post. And, you know, he's got a, a transfer window where he knows the state of play of what he's operating in weeks if not months beforehand so that he, he can then properly plan for it. And as we've said many a time, as I've written many a time, this this summer is the best opportunity to almost reshape the squad and essentially undo the remaining damage of the kind of the recklessness of the machinery years on it and actually build towards a a squad that is both competitive and sustainable because of some of the big contracts that will almost certainly fall off the, the books. Um, and also, obviously, some of the players that they could get in if they can start having conversations on some of those players who 
got expiring contracts and offering Premier League guaranteed Premier League football mm-hmm. from, from Easter onwards. It's a big help. Um, so I think it's good. And I mean, you know, it's another bit of communication. He doesn't say anything that we don't know. And I don't think he says anything that we don't expect him to say either. We know the club are operating within financial constraints. We know the club in terms of the playing sides, hard done by, by the way that off the pitch issues have undermined us least. Oh, excuse me. Just wait. Off the pitch, um, issues have undermined its league standing, um, and we know that obviously the the hope is to build for a better future and a more sustainable future. And he says all those, and you know he makes some good points. Like I just said, the results show the progress has been made. The fact that Dyche has been able to do them in the circumstances he's been operating is 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 incredible. Um, and you know, a point I've made a few times, and you know, perhaps unexpectedly, but. When we saw injuries and suspensions and absences bite over over the main winter months, squad players who we perhaps were writing off, like Sir Ben Godfrey, like Sir Andre Gomez, even like Sir Shout Virginia, come in and, and actually performs quite a high level, which is another reason to have a little bit of confidence going into the second part of the season. I think as well when it comes to Kevin Fellwell, you know, obviously it, it's really tough, isn't it, to, to analyse and, and scrutinise kind of his roles there to the football because it has been dominated by off-the-pitch events that, you know, he has no control over ultimately, mm. you know, kind of walked into a lot of this, you know, a lot of the mess. But he must, at the moment, take a, a bit of a huge sense of satisfaction, I, I would say, because... When you think of okay, it's a bit of a threadbare squad, and I know we'll get on to injuries and stuff shortly. But it's a squad like you just said there, can show that can compete comfortably to be mid-table in the Premier League, which is you know far cry from when he come in. And also, he's now got a manager in place who, you know, okay, people have their own mm-hmm. opinions on him, but is a very you know comfortably accomplished Premier League manager who knows how to get results and and ultimately guided them to, to save mm-hmm. that season. Yeah, I think. Um... Yeah, we'll probably come on to this. What do you think? Where, where do you think of you know when the, he when he come in? Yeah. And, you know, obviously the Lampard stuff where the the jury was very much out on Lampard for a large part of you know his tenure, where people believed on you know he was the man to move Everton forward. Mm. There's no such kind of doubt with Sean Dyche is there. You know, it's no, he's the well, best man for the job at this moment. Oh, absolutely. I don't, I don't think anybody could have done a, a, a better job mm. than Sean Dyche has over the past twelve months to get that Everton squad that he inherited. Let's turn it into a side that, you know, as we said, should be mid-table now and on the brink of safety for for this season. Yeah, that's that's absolutely remarkable. Yeah, absolutely, and especially with all the off-the-pitch issues he's had to deal with. You know, it's an interesting one with Kevin Farewell in a sense. I think it's still quite hard to actually judge his tenure properly mm. because he's had such limited room within which he can manoeuvre that it's probably an argument to say that he hasn't really been able to do anything. So, it's, so you know, he hasn't been able to spend lots of money, so we haven't been able to judge him on his transfer record as well. Everything has been operating with one hand tied behind his back. Now, you know, it's almost been, you think, from his perspective and probably from Evan's perspective last year, it's just about survival. Mm-hmm. The fact is they're still alive and kicking and actually in a place where they're moving forward positively. And as a result of that, I think everybody at the club who has played a role in that deserves a big deal of credit. It'd be interesting to know what some of the conversations that have been had over the recent transfer windows, over over every transfer window that he's been in, because you know, you wonder how much of the lack of activity has been done because they just can't do any and how much of it has been because they've looked at things and assessed things that they don't need any. And you, know, you look at last January, and I know you could argue that they got you. Know, you could argue that the gamble not to sign anybody last January paid off because Evan stayed up. But whilst it paid off, I don't think it was a good gamble. I think that was a squad that definitely mm. desperately needed strengthening. 
and obviously they didn't find a way to strengthen. Um, but we know again that finances were a big issue, and let's be perfectly honest, there was chaos above and below Kevin Fowler at the time. So I feel like this is this summer we're probably moving to a point where he will probably have the most freedom that he's had to operate in this role. You know, he'll have you know, they get a couple of months where he can plan ahead for the window with the reduction in wages that will come from some of the playing staff leaving, the likes of you know, you, you would assume the likes of Deli Alley and Andre Gomez on the contracts that they're on and with their injury records will probably be allowed to go. And even those two by themselves free up a huge amount mm-hmm. of wiggle room. This will be Fellow's first opportunity to be creative. Um and as a result of that, it'll probably be the first time that we can fairly judge him. But I think that from the limited you know, stuff that we've been able to see so far, you can't help but say that Everton are in a better position than they were six months ago, than they were 12 months ago, than probably than they were two years ago when he started. Obviously, you know, I don't think we had any idea of the pain that was to come when Bellard took that job. I'm sure he didn't either, and I would be very surprised if he knew the full extent mm. of what he was walking into. And I think that's also something that needs to be born into consideration. I imagine that he's probably come in and been a little bit surprised by some of the problems that he's inherited and were coming down the line, which he may not have known about having not been at the club previously. Um, So I think that when you look at the last few years of Everton Football Club, there are a lot of questions that you can ask, a lot of things that you can point and a lot of kind of time that you could spend being critical of, of, of people in their roles um, and how Everton have ended up in the situations that they've ended up in the past two years. I don't think that Kevin Bowell is one of the people that you can point the finger at, you know, I, I, like I don't. And I think really, as I say, I don't think he's had much freedom to operate, but Everton somehow is still a club that's fighting and still alive and looks like it might finally be on a position where, you know, if they can get a little bit of success off the pitch with the, the appeal and, and with the second um, profit and sustainability breach if they can defend themselves against that or at least get moved themselves to a scenario where the punishments aren't enough to relegate them then they're actually in a position where yeah, they're building strong foundations to move forward and I don't think it's unfair to say that Fowler has played a role in that and he deserves credit for it Well we move on because obviously there is a big, big Premier League match on Saturday Afternoon, stroke late morning, I think mm. it's safe to say. Another half twelve for the Blues. Another early start for yourself and Chris Beasley. They'll both Absolutely. be at the Etihad. And let's face it, Joe, it doesn't get much tougher, does it, than Manchester City? The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Obviously, I haven't got a good, good point there last season, I think it's safe to say, uh, when Frank Lampard was in charge, obviously New Year's Eve. But this time round, City feel like they're back in that momentum train train, and charging towards the Premier League title and Everton are going to be, I think, in for a, a challenging afternoon, I think is maybe the best. Yeah, it's going to be it. interesting, isn't it? I, I, I've done a fair degree of thinking about this ahead of Man City. It's strange because... You know, you would I would back this Sean Dyche Everton, or I'd say this Sean Dyche Everton is far stronger than the Frank Lampard Everton that yeah. got a point last season. And by virtue of that, you'd think this has also got a chance of getting a positive result at the Etihad. But I'm I'm you know I wouldn't say I'm nervous about tomorrow because and I don't believe in free hits or anything like that, but like you kind of know what anything is a bonus, isn't it? Um 
I think it will be tough, but I also think that there are some there is a bit of fragility around this Manchester City side defensively. We I mean we saw we saw Neil Mope score against them yeah. on Monday. They do tend I haven't to missed a great chance as well. Yeah, uh, like they do um they do concede goals mm-hmm. and I feel like the where I get a degree of hope from is I think that what this Sean Dyche side is is where it's most effective is catching catching opposition almost when they're cold, catching them. It's very good at being aggressive from the start and taking teams that expect to beat Everton, mm. expect to have an easy game. It's very good at taking them by surprise and getting a start and getting a goal. We saw it, you know, we saw it home and away against Brighton. We saw it away at Brentford for the first win of the season. To a certain extent, we saw it against Aston Villa in, in the Carabao Cup. You know, how many early goals have we seen this Everton team score? So if this is a Man City side that we that goes into this game expecting to win, Everton might be able to give it a jolt in the start like they have been able to do in other matches yeah. under Sean Dyche. Obviously, what they do if they don't get an early goal or, or, they or, or if they get an early yeah. goal, it's still going to be a massive, yeah. massive ask to get anything from the game. But that's where it kind of gives me a little bit of hope, you know, that they might be able to just do something early and just make a game of it. That'd be interesting. Like Brentford have done, like so many other clubs have done against Man Lots of clubs this season have managed to make it a game with Man City. It might be one that they've lost, but they've managed to make a game of it. And Evan did that, you know, only a couple of weeks ago. And that first half was one of the better first halves. You know, it was a brilliant first half from Evan. Like we said, they went 1-0 up. Okay, you know, they didn't win that game. I think the penalty, I think the penalty was harsh. Uh, you know, I think that when you look at that penalty and you kind of look at the, the inconsistency for the reason and why that was given and why one wasn't given against Anthony Robinson, uh, Robinson the other day against Fulham, uh, I think, yeah, I have every right to be disappointed. But I do think in that game, City were poor in that second half. It's probably one of the mm-hmm. best performances that I've seen from a collective performance that I've seen from a team at Goodison in quite some time. They were fantastic. Um, that was when it looked like, sorry, that was when it looked like, wasn't it? They just turned on the screen. That's up. it. That's probably, oh, that's they probably were looking the, a little bit back to the best. Then. That's probably the big difference compared to, I think the two big differences compared to this time last year from a City perspective is one, I think Everton caught City before they'd done that yeah. gear shift where they just go and win endless games on the trot, on the right, you know I think they started that now and the other one is I think that they're City have some big players with points to prove at the moment because Erlen Carlin and Kevin De Bruyne are both coming back from injuries and you know, still trying to kind of refine their form. So it's it's not a game that they either of them will want to if, if ever let pass them by. So obviously that holds a few nerves. And you know, you then add on to the fact that Everton's midfield is still absolutely decimated by injury. Um yeah, there's there's a lot of reason to be, you know, worried about about Saturday lunchtime. But Hopefully, one thing we haven't seen with this with Sean Dyche is they don't, but they very rarely get thrashed. Mm. Yeah, you know, they they normally find a way of making a game of it. You know, it's been twice this season where they haven't. For, uh, Wolves away and Villa away, but um, yeah, hopefully, Evan can make a fight. I, I have to say, there, Joe, for. I think you just made a, a very strong case to be quietly optimistic there going to the Etihad. I think that was a, a perfectly put little segment that way. People yeah. listen to this now and watching us live on, on Facebook and YouTube or maybe we think, you know what, we could maybe get a point tomorrow there. Yeah. You know, maybe we could... Joe's inspired me there. That, you know, <laughs> a, 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 what seems an unlikely point could, could become reality. Can Dice invite me in to give the team talk tomorrow? Well, Frank Lampard wants I'll be there. Well, you did need uh, to do a, a team talk before it was at Merseyside Derby, so you, you never know. But... You just touched on it there, the injury situation. It's hard to ignore, isn't it? Because, yeah. and I know 
it's often a bowl of contention, I think, isn't it? It's safe to say injuries because there's always, you know, managers who mow a lot of injuries and, you know, the, the, and it's some people say, well, you know, everyone, every team has injuries and every squad has injuries. <laughs> but when you, you know, look, listen to Sean Dyshesty, he delivered that injury update on the, you know, what was what was to be available this weekend. It was once again, you sat there looking, thinking, oh, Everett are very threadbare and they really can't afford to get any more injuries or suspensions yeah, going can, and that's the big thing isn't it they, you know they really can't and I think that much. would colour my approach going into into Palace sorry going into the City game with Palace coming up next as well I'm of the p- opinion that you know it sounds like Amadou Anana's like uh, you know, in contention yeah. for the weekend but it sounds back, back on the grass yeah back on the grass Sean um, I mean I wouldn't play him mm. I just think that he's a player that could be so important to the rest of the season after this City game, they've got eight days until they play Crystal Palace. I mean, that's a huge game. Crystal Palace yeah. on a bit of a slide towards Everton and towards the bottom three. Just shorn of their two best players who've got big injuries. Uh, real negative. A lot of fighting between yeah. supporters and then... Real negative mood around the club as well. Um, that has to be seen as a real opportunity to bring another club into Everton's orbit. Mm. Especially at a time when... Luton have hit form and I still think Everton have got a very good chance of finishing above Luton this season yeah. even if they don't get any points back I still think I still think come the end of it I think that they, there's a good chance of them doing so um, but like with many things there's every chance that things could get worse before they get better because obviously Everton go to the Etihad and Luton host Sheffield United which could be an interesting game I wouldn't put money on Luton winning that because if you're Sheffield United you've got to look at that and say if we're going to have any chance yeah. of saying that this is a that's a game that they've got to go 150% uh, for on the back of last weekend's yeah. hammer at the hands exactly of so, so you know I, I think that there's a danger that obviously Luton move four points clear of Everton this mm. this, this weekend um, and I think and they might carry on with that, that with the momentum that they've got at the moment so Trying to drag clubs into it, you like Palace is, and obviously like Forest is huge. I protect Amadou Anana. He's got eight days to get hundreds. If he's seventy five percent now, give him eight days to get to a hundred percent, and then have him come, have him play against Palace and just run the show. Mm. You know, for the first time this year, be be the third time Everton have played Palace this season. It'll be the first time he's not having to kind of monitor Eze. Yeah, you know, he'll have some freedom to do some damage in that game. So I think that's a, a an opportunity there. I say not going for free hits and write-offs, but bearing in mind we know how difficult City game is going to be. Mm-hmm. Maybe now's not the time to risk him. But yeah, you know, obviously aside from that, Abdullah Decore and Adanjuma out as well. Andre Gomez out as well. You know, it's it's still a square pegs in round holes kind of job for Everton. And you know, I I think that really the selection for this game as much as I'm trying to be positive and saying Evan could get, and as much as I think that Evan needs to open the catch before we get hammering, because I think Everton, I think the mood around Everton is a little bit fragile at the moment. I think a lot of people are just not really sure what to mm. think. Not really sure, you know, that everyone's in limbo waiting to see what the appeal brings. Will they get any points back? They'll then be, spend another couple of months in limbo trying to wait for the second hearing. Mm. Obviously what happens in the appeal will colour our expectations yeah, yeah, for the second one. Uh, but so you're there, you don't know where to be positive on that. You know, you're looking at Everton in the relegation zone and think, well, I'll probably get three points back, so that'll lift them out. Or you're sitting there thinking, I might get no points back and another three taken off, and mm. then it becomes very difficult. And, I think and you could also say that point be four or five points behind because the, results have exactly. quite against it. You know, and I think also that um, 
the other thing is on the pitch, you can very much read the form in two different ways. You can mm-hmm. say, this is a side that's only won one in 10. You could say it's a side that's won five of its last 14 and kept eight clean sheets. You know, you could say it's a team that's only won once this year. You could say it's a team that's only lost once this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. There, are, there are so many competing ways of trying to address it. Like, I'm, I don't know what you know, the listeners and the viewers is. I don't know where their headspace is. I don't know where your headspace is at. Or Ian, who's sat there fuming behind the camera as he tries to work out how Everton are going to um, get some points from, from, from this weekend. But, like, my my mind at the minute is a constant battle of trying to assess and work out quite where Everton are at this present moment in time. And I think the reality is it's impossible for us to reach any conclusion. So, And I think the big thing with Darren, this is something that I was thinking about actually last last Saturday after the the draw with Tottenham. You know, if Everton, say, hadn't had the 10 points deducted and, you know, where where they were, you know, know, it's all hypothetical at the minute, but, you know, you would look at that Tottenham result and think, well, that's a good point. You know, know, it's a good point to get on the balls, you're not not lost. But because of the situation Everton find themselves in, like you say, you almost think, well, you know, that's a home game, maybe perhaps maybe could have gone off. Yeah, I don't think there is any way to view the... I don't think there is any other way of viewing the Villa Spurs and the Villa Spurs and Fulham points as very good points. Mm. Because I think that whatever the context in which Everton are ultimately going to end up operating in this season, and it's bizarre because we'll only know retrospectively. Like we'll yeah. only we'll only know in a couple of months' time whether or not it was good for a point or whether it should have been going yeah. out all out for a win. Which, but, the which problem, is, isn't it? Exactly. But I think that at least with those games from a... I don't think Everton can have too many regrets over those games because I think the injury situation that they, they were dealing with at the time just meant they were almost hamstrung in what they could do. They put the best side out there to achieve the best thing possible. And, you know, three points from those three games was actually very, was actually very valuable, I think. Um, But yeah, I mean, that's obviously going to be the issue going into, because, you know, if Everton end up with more points taken off them, then all of a sudden, you know, more of these games become must-win games, but you might only find it out you know, similar. I mean, it's, it's trying to go into Crystal Palace. You know, a draw might be a good result because they might end up getting three or four points back and nothing yeah. else taken off them. So it might, we might look back on it and go, well, Palace was a game that was important not to lose, so they didn't get any momentum and leapfrog Everton. Or it could be a one that Everton can't afford to not win because, you know, as I say, how I think we're all in this mad state of flux and limbo trying to work it out. So if you're say Sean Dyche or Kevin Fowler and you're trying to work out how to approach these games. Yeah, you know, it must be very, very difficult. Mm. One very thing difficult. when you talk about approach, last season when Everton went to the Etihad, yeah. Ben Godfrey, of course, <laughs> was was charged with man marking Galen Haaland. And, uh, although the Norwegian, of course, did score like he does most weeks. I think you, you know we could all agree Godfrey did a pretty good job on, let's just say, disrupting the former yeah, well, man. I think he is disrupted that, him. Yeah. Is, is that something that you would like? Because obviously, because know Ben Godfrey's played himself into some really good form. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been really good, and, and and you know I think one thing we've got to point out is he's responded really well in, in recent weeks, and certainly Fulham and, and Tom, yeah, really well, especially at right back. But now Everton have got options at right back. Would you be against maybe seeing? Godfrey go toe to toe with Haaland tomorrow again for round two. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one as to whether or not Deitch might move to a back five, I suppose. And if he was mm. to do so. He has done that already this season, of course. I think if he was to do so, Godfrey in the three makes a bit more sense. One, because obviously we, we saw how well he did against Haaland last season. And although Haaland did score, one, he only scored once, which 
is an achievement mm-hmm. to some extent or was last season. And two, I think it's important to say that we, we they riled him up enough to the fact that I really think he should have got sent off in that well, game. Yeah. I thought it was despicable what he did to Vitaly Mikolenko. I'm not saying that the tackle was necessarily a lead breaker, but because it wasn't. But the well, way, but it, it was pre-planned. It was premeditated. You know, it was right. Like I had a very good view of it. And yeah, you got Mikolenko is quite a slight figure. Back turn to Haaland on the touchline. Look, yeah, doesn't expect anything coming his way. Getting ready to clear the ball up the line, and you can see Haaland from 10, 15 yards away make up the decision that he's going to go through the back of him. I really thought that that was a that was reckless, and he should have gone off for that. And I thought he, even though he only got a yellow, he thought he should have had a second yellow later on that game for for an elbow on Tarkovsky. So, um, you know, I. You know, Godfrey did a pretty, as good a job as we could probably hope someone to do on him um, in, in, in that match. I think that I would start Godfrey, um, and even if it's still four at the back, I'd keep him at right back. Uh, I probably owe him a bit of an apology. I like Godfrey. I think he can do a job in several places. I must admit that when the side... When I found out what the side was in on you know pretty early of the Tuesday that Evan played Fulham, I knew what the eleven was, but I didn't know where Godfrey was starting. Mm. And my hope was it was going to be right wing back or centre back in a in a five at the back. I was hoping it wouldn't be right back because I just had this like the flashbacks to Fulham at home last season when he played right back after Holgate got sent off against Palace and had a really difficult yeah. game. So I kind of feared the worst. Well. Yeah, I feared the worst. And and yeah, you have to say that Fulham game, the Spurs game's come in and done a very good job at right back in you know, an area that's a bit foreign to him. So he deserves all the credit for that. And I'd start him there again in the back four if that's the way Dyke's going to go again. And I'd also start Young in front of him with Harrison playing off you know, in the in the, 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 the core role. As much as anything, one, because he'll give Seamus Coleman a bit more chance to, to rest up and, and get match fit again. Like I mentioned, we've got that eight-day gap to, mm-hmm. to, to, to Palace after. And I think that this is, has to be one of the key ambitions for this little period getting players back to as close to fitness full fitness as they can and also I think Ashley Young on the right will just give them a little bit of defensive protection as well and yeah, we know that Everton are going to spend a lot of time camped on the edge of their area in this match well they always say don't they I think City make, make every opposition they play work the hardest yeah, there's, right. there's, a, there's, a, there's some crazy stats on about how running people have to do against Manchester City and you suspect that tomorrow yeah, they will dominate yeah. the ball so for I, I mean so I'd, I'd probably keep it pretty similar to be perfectly honest rather than mess around I just I just think the kind of the risk and reward I mean that's a very dice I must I just spend too much time talking to him I think um, <laughs> the risk and reward there is I just don't think the gain the gains are obvious enough from City to be bringing people back when they're still vulnerable yeah. from injuries. Like I think the reality is that bit. you know ever Evan could have a fully strength full strength side tomorrow that could all play and every player could play to the very best of their abilities. And City, such as the you know, yeah. superpower that they are, you know, could still beat them. Um, the reality is Evan are probably going to be at best 70 percent tomorrow against a City side that's already purring. Again, don't go there expecting to lose, but go there being realistic and pragmatic and going. Or don't do what Hodgson did the other day when you know Palace are three 0 down. The game's already gone. Yeah. You bring on your you know your <laughs> best, player, your already best player who's already you know got fragility due to injury on and, and see him. You know, yes, yeah. I think almost that's that's almost a bigger game for for Everton this this weekend. I think a bigger game for Everton unless Everton were to get so severely beaten that it really affects mm. the mood and you know say Deitch's sides don't tend to have that in them. I um. I actually think the two bigger games for Evan this season are the Palace game and the Luton game. Because if Luton don't beat Sheffield United, then that's a real positive for, every, mm. for, for Everton. Um, and I think 
you could almost do, I think Palace played Chelsea, and you could almost do with Chelsea just scraping a late win, you know, beating Palace, but making hard work of it, so everyone thinks that Hodgson, yeah, oh, they come out and the, the players have been playing for Hodgson, yeah. they're fighting for him, well, and he gets a stay of execution, but, which means he comes down to Goodison yeah, and maybe Everton and the team that yeah, games. Yeah, yeah, well, very similar when you think about it to last season, wasn't it, when Everton went to the Etihad, when they'd been beaten yeah, by, yeah. by Wolves on box, they were bottom of the league at the time, and everyone was, you know, myself, you and Chris were all in, we had that feeling to me of, if this is a stinker of an afternoon, it's almost like we could be writing Frank's goodbye. Yeah, you know, of course. You know, how would he, you know, kind of, how can he survive a, a hammer? And they put that performance in, and I think your very exact was, you know, this is a team who is still fighting, still, you know, yeah. prepared to go above and beyond and get, you know, get stuck in for the manager. And there was no sign of anyone kind of, you know, lost faith or, you know, down tools, you know, as, as we often see. And it almost feels like, History is now repeating itself at Crystal Palace where they're one bad result from Hodgson being sacked, but it's when that bad result yeah. will ultimately come. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. At Crystal Palace, obviously we'll talk far more about this next week, but Crystal Palace... Home and away have been been very big games for Everton over recent seasons. Obviously, we had the the, the fantastic comeback night for the, mm. on the Lampard for survival, and then there was a three 0 win in the October. I mean, it's mad to think it was only last season because <laughs> it was what, October twenty two, but um, yeah, probably the high point. Probably, of, probably, probably yeah. the high point of, of of Lampard's kind of yeah Everton yeah. time because at that point you remember being at Sandhill Station under the sun after that game, thinking, oh, you know, everybody buzzing and thinking, oh, Everton have just thrashed and re- a mid-table Premier League side actually playing positive football and you know you think maybe maybe things are starting to, to go somewhere and you know they drew it full in the next game and nothing else other than Man City that was the last point that, yeah, that the start got. the decline just one more before we finish Joe one more selection headache maybe mm. I think Sean Dyche is facing Lack of goals is obviously a concern. I think obviously it's something that Everton <laughs> are not, you know, un- unbeknown to is it struggles in front of goal. Tomorrow afternoon, do you give Beto a, a chance to get get off the mark and give him a run or do you stick with Calvert Lewin? I stick with Calvert Lewin, I think. Like obviously it's been a long time since he scored a goal. I think there's an argument to say he'd been a little bit hard done by. He, he was unlucky last think, week, I think it's safe to say with that. He was unlucky that, that last week. Tottenham. He was unlucky at Tottenham as well with a goal that yeah. wasn't allowed. I I do you know, so trying to work out your thoughts on VAR and everything like that is a nightmare. Like I, in that case, I thought that it was a foul by Andre Gomez. I just couldn't understand why VAR was getting involved on an incident where the referee and the linesman had a perfect view. Yeah. That felt like re-reffing the game. Is re-reffing the game. Like, you know, you're trying to work out which. Yeah, you know, you're just trying to work out what point someone gets involved and 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 not and whose view takes precedence. But you know. Like had he scored, had that goal been allowed against Spurs, then it could well have been, you know, the last six weeks could have been a very different story. But I think that Calvin Lewin is, he's, I think he's Everton's best striker. I think he still adds a lot of value to the team, uh, even when he's not scoring goals. I think he'll have a difficult job tomorrow because I think that you know there's every danger that he'll get isolated like mm. he has done without Decore. Everton, I think Jack Harrison is the has been the best alternative but by no means a perfect alternative. And I think that's probably the one shame, really, that Everton weren't quite able to do anything in the January transfer window just to try and give themselves another option in that position. Um, obviously, they didn't, um, so we've got to move forward uh, without that. But I, I would do, because I, I would still, even in the form that he is in, I think that Dominic Calvert-Lewin is a very good Premier League striker. 
And although he has missed some big chances recently, including the game against Man City when they were 2-1 down, he had that opportunity when the ball came in from the right. Um, I would back him over pretty much anyone else in that side well, to you, score you, the chance. You, if Evan if ever get that, get one chance tomorrow, then I will yeah, handle hard say I want that to fall yeah. to Dominic Calvert-Lewin. So he's on that. And, and there is also the kind of... I know it's... Quite sure what I think about you know, the, the the longer he goes without scoring, the sooner he gets to the next one. I mean, it's a strange, feels like that's um, offering an excuse to persevere with something that's not necessarily working. But in this case, I think this is something that will ultimately work. Mm. And just the sooner that the sooner that Calvert Lewin gets scoring again, the sooner that helps Everton. And he isn't going to do that on the bench. So I, I start Calvert Lewin. Okay. Well, it's time for predictions. Yeah. Given your optimistic view on Everton's trip to the show. I'm expecting you to pick a positive result. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? I, you know what? The... You can't backtrack if you give a, no, 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 a no, solid, well, like... solid reason there as to why we should be optimistic. Well, no, I, I said why... Yeah. Probably left why they, why Everton should be optimistic and more why I shouldn't write off this game necessarily because of it. Um... I'll give you another reason why I think that this should be optimistic. Surely, surely, sooner or later, the luck's going to turn. They've got to get a penalty or a controversial decision going their way at some point. Why not against City? Like, I mean, surely. Like, I'll keep saying that. I mean, I've just had a go at Dyke for saying the longer I have to go, the longer Cowell will go without a goal, the sooner the next goal will come. And here's me saying the longer they go without a good decision, the closer it comes. But, like, I just think that... yeah, we can say what we want about Everton as a football, as a football team, and as a, and as a club over the last few years. And yeah, there have been a lot of mistakes made, and Everton have paid very dearly for them. One thing this hasn't been for a long time is the club that's had any luck. It just hasn't had any on or off the pitch. It just hasn't had any luck. I just keep thinking, surely at some point things are going to turn, even if it's not a sustained turn. Just there's going to be a big moment. Evan have had so many big moments in which the tide has turned against them, yeah. or in which they just as every time it looks like they're about to take a step up, you know, they pick themselves up off the floor. Someone comes and kick them. It's a ten point deduction. Just as Evan are there. Yeah, looking like they're a reasonable side that can get to mid-table. They come and get over 10 points. Just as everything going wipe that out with four consecutive wins, there's another charge that comes. And you're just like, surely at some point things have got to change. So what this is basically a long-winded way of me saying Evan's going to win 3-1 with three penalties. <laughs> shouldn't, none of which should have been penalties. Two of which were outside the area, but the camera's broken. So Calvert-Lewin Cal- 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 gets back on the goal. Calvert-Lewin scores a That's it. Like, and, 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 and they go from... And they go from there, and you know, so maybe. But I, I mean, on a serious side, I think it's going to be very, very difficult. But what I do think is, and what I hope is that 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 this is still a side under Deitch that can make a fight of it. And mm-hmm. I think that we have to view what happens tomorrow in context and say, if they haven't come out of that game with a defeat, but a defeat in which they've shown a bit of steel and stubbornness and made it difficult for City then we have to take the positives from that. So, you know, I'm going to go I'm going to go 2-1 to Man City, I think. So very often I go against Everton on this, but I mean, I think got to be realistic and if I'm to maintain any credibility, this is probably the easy one to go and say against Everton, but I think that I do think Everton will score and I think when they score, 
will probably colour how the match unfolds. Yeah. But I think probably similar to how we saw at Goodison Park. Yeah, this is a city side with so much firepower, so much ammunition that it's going to be very, very difficult to, yeah. to stop I'm, even if they get an early goal. I'm going to go 3-1 Man City. I think it'll be 2-1 tight for a long time. I think they'll get hit on the break towards the end. Do you think the Deitch not being on the touchline will make any difference? You were there at West Ham. I was, yeah. West Ham. Well, he was. He was. It was Ian Warren. Sorry, it was Ian Warren, wasn't it? Yeah, he was sat not not too far from myself and Chris. Actually, I think he was in the yeah. press box. Didn't he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was trying to bring us binoculars because we were quite far away. <laughs> yeah. I think is the way. You don't know. Yeah, I always think this is one of these things of how much impact does a manager have on the sidelines? Mm. How doesn't you know? You don't know. Do you? I think tomorrow will be no. But I feel like Deitch probably has more of an impact than a lot of managers because he isn't the silent, yeah, I think, brooding, I think, I think... watchful, take it all yeah. in time. Is he? I mean, as we've shown by the three yellow cards that he's got, he's very animated, yeah. and like you'll watch him just like I do when we're at the game. He is always barking orders, and there's always all these mad gestures yeah. and everything else, isn't there? Like he's very. I do it's think a big personality and character one on the person breathing a sigh relief will be ever, but it was on fourth official duty tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Because, as we've noticed on many, between Sean Dyche, Ian Owen, and Steve Stone, they like to tell a fourth official what they think during, during matches. So I think whoever's on fourth official duty tomorrow, I should have looked up his name before we come on here, but we'll be breathing a huge sigh relief that he won't have Sean Dyche yeah. down his ear tomorrow or, you know contesting every decision that goes no. for or goes against this no. guy. No. Um, but yeah, I think it's an interesting one. I think we'll only know tomorrow. Um, um, if I'm being honest, maybe Sean Dash will look. I think we'll have had to take one on the chin for any game. It's probably Again, this one. Yeah, it's probably this should, one. That's say, like, yeah. I, don't, I don't think I he, don't know how much he, he doesn't able, believe in free hits you know. and things like that. But again, there has to be a degree of pragmatism yeah. which says that... And you would also like to think as well, would you, that a lot of the stuff Everton will, we were, will be known before they go out to play, you know, they're going to have to keep a certain shape, certain yeah. steps up, you know. And you can't see how that would perhaps change throughout the duration of the game, unless maybe with Tevis to go for two on the, you know, throw on an extra forward or, yeah. or something. But, and, uh, yeah, Warren and Dyche have worked together for a long time, so, I mean, there must be a degree of, uh, you know, sync. Together, live together, of course, exactly, at one point, yeah. Well, but, live together in the week now in South Liverpool, don't they? So, well, yeah. Um, I mean, just uh, just before one player won't be involved, and this won't be a surprise. He has been involved in ages, but I keep getting asked about Tyler Onyango, like obviously academy player that was in the match day. Someone squad. who Duncan Ferguson rates very highly. Yeah, we had him on loan at Forest Green last season before his hamstring injury bro- um, ended that. But I keep getting asked about Tyler Onyango. Keep getting asked. He was obviously you know, he came on against Aston Villa second game of the season. I think the first five or six games of the season, Premier League and Carabao Cup, he was in the the first team squad. Um, and I haven't written anything about this, but he suffered quite a, quite a bad groin injury before Christmas, so he's been out for a few months on that. But he's back on the grass, albeit with a medical team, so he's still some way off coming back, but he is increasing his workload. So for anybody that has been wondering about the mystery of Tyler Onyango, it's been an injury, it's been an unfortunate mystery one. Solved. Mystery solved. And hopefully, obviously, we, well, hopefully he'll be back soon, and we obviously wish him all the best for that as well. OK, I think we will leave things there. I think we've chewed the fat enough on all things Everton on this Friday afternoon. Yourself and Bees will obviously be at the Etihad tomorrow. Follow the whole live blog and everything else that comes following the game. And we will be back on Monday to dissect and look over Everton's Premier League clash with Manchester City. And all the controversial VAR calls that went for it. Well, that would be very nice, wouldn't it? Make a welcome change. But for today, thank you very much for watching, listening. This has been the Roblox Podcast. 
You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.